0: Hi, my name is Michael Sano. I'm Jewish, and I love Israel. So if you love Israel, if you love being Jewish, or if you have an unwavering connection to the land of Israel, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the 12 Cities in Israel podcast. Shalom, shalom, shalom. Hey, what's going on? My name is Michael Sano and welcome, welcome, welcome to the 12 Cities in Israel podcast, the only positive podcast about the food, the people, the culture and the history of the state of Israel. Hey, if this is your first time watching, um, don't forget to hit the like button, the subscribe button and the notification bell. And if you'd like to take us with you, when you go to the gym, out on the out for a walk in the evening or while you're driving in the car you can find us on soundcloud itunes google play stitcher TuneIn, and on spotify and this episode is brought to you by the 12 cities in israel modern hebrew flashcard system um we have two sets out they are available on kindle uh, on amazon for kindle Uh, and they are $9.99, and for Kindle Unlimited, they are free. So you can find them, again, on Amazon, Um, and we have the Aleph Bet in both print and script, and we also have numbers in Hebrew. So um, check those out. I'll have more on that at the end of the episode. All right, hey, we are in part two of our we're in a series right now the 12 cities in israel where i tell you all about the history and the modern city and last episode was part one of ashkelon and it was the uh the history and we went all the way up until the british mandate we covered everything um from the canaanites the philistines the hasmonians excuse me, hiccup uh, from my coffee, which I just sipped before, but I'm gonna have another sip. Peter Madera, this is for you, which means another hiccup will probably be coming in a moment. But the the city of Ashkelon in ancient uh, history ends at, the history of it ends at basically 1270 when the Mamluks destroyed it Um, and then moved on to, and I'm telling you this because we're going to be talking about this in the uh, the independence war, um, the Israeli Indo- war for independence. Um, what propped up near it, near what's called Tel Ashkelon, uh, was this town called Majdal. And in 1948, the state of Israel declared its independence. And with this, uh, the Egyptian army started Uh, advancing into the southern region they came from the south syrians from the north iraqis lebanese uh, iraqis um, and jordanians from the east and the egyptians took positions now if you listen to any of the other podcasts when i spoke about 'er beersheva they did the same thing. The Egyptian forces came in and they started taking positions in these inhabited areas. And one of the places that they went was the town of Majdal. Now, during this time, there were about um, 9,900 residents. So it was a town. And then the Israeli Air Force, uh, the newly formed Israeli Air Force uh, started bombing and uh, engaging in aerial raids against Egyptian positions in the region and in the town of Majda. Um, now this 9,900 population uh, within the town of Majda was eventually reduced to about 1,000 due to residents fleeing from all the hostile, I mean, there were battles, you know what I mean? Stuff going on, There was there was shelling, there were aerial raids, all of this stuff. So eventually, um, those people, the residents fled, and there were only about a thousand people left. And on November 4th, 1948, as part of Operation Yoav, um, the town of Mashta was captured. Now, some residents did return to this city, um, and the population rose to more than 2,500. Now, some of these people were refugees from fighting from surrounding areas, so it's not actually known if they were actually residents of Majdal. Um, eventually, though, these re- uh, these residents, with the exception of a small number who remained um, <coughs> in what would become Ashkelon, ooh, spoiler alert, were transferred to the Palestinian territory of Gaza they were transferred to Jordan and to other towns within Israel under the orders of Prime Minister David Ben-Gurion and Moshe Dayan in 1950. So this is after the war. And that happened, um, was it right, was it wrong? I don't know. I'm giving you information about, an. Uh, uh, I'm giving you historical information. I'm not moralizing that information i'm just giving it to you so that is what happened and um this was done over objections by pinkas lavon the secretary general of the histadrut um which was the main labor union histadrut, histadrut that's a tongue twister uh was the main labor union in um in pre-state israel on the I think it was even on the kibbutzim, on the, on the, uh, the farms and the moshavim, um, which were the farms, but, um, I, it's still around today and it's still, I think it's the largest labor organization in Israel. Um, also, um, objecting to this was mapam and mapam. I don't know, this, uh, I'm not, I'm not more, uh, again, I set up, uh, I'm just giving you the facts. Although, this to me doesn't seem like uh, a, a group that David Ben-Gurion and Moshi Dayan would have listened to, basically. Mapam was a left-wing Marxist-Zionist and pro-Soviet political party and predecessor to today's Marats party um and they supported the right of return for arabs after uh 1948 so that wasn't something that was supported by mapai gets confusing mapai mapam mapai was the um party of david ben-gurion so there you go boom 1948 and now into the modern state of israel history for the town of Ashkan. Um Now, at the end of the war, um, because of the armistice agreement, a number of territories that were originally slated to be part of the Arab state. Uh, now, remember that when this was announced in 1947, uh, this partition plan, it was roundly rejected. They wanted no part of it. Um, So they said no, and Operation Yoav and I think Operation Dalit were intended to create secure borders for the new Jewish state. Now, this was important because what was going to happen to this land? This land wasn't going to go into conservatorship. It was just going to be no man's land, basically. Um, So they made a call a judgment call and they went and they um captured these areas so these areas um and we said this about Akko Akko originally um wasn't a part of um the partition plan that would have had it within the borders of the Jewish state neither was Ashkelon but boom once the uh the armistice agreement was signed it's now on record that it's a part of Israel. So the process of Jewish immigration began almost immediately into um, into Majdal in the uh, winter of 1948. And in June of 1949, the town of Al Majdal was proposed um, by the Israeli government, as a regional urban center. So they were trying to figure out where they were going to populate within this new state, within this new country. Um, it would become the home of 20,000 new residents. So there was a lot of pre-planning, a lot of urban development being done. Um, these new residents were would be new immigrants and demobilized soldiers. And within six months, the Jewish population um, it swelled to 2,500. I'm gonna take another sip of coffee, Peter. Uh, uh, uh. All right, so now we have Al-Majdal being proposed as a, um, an urban center within the new Jewish state. Now, during this time, the town ha- was, or as I said, called um, Al-Majdal, Um, It was renamed to Migdal Gaza, and then again renamed to Migdal Gad, and again renamed Migdal Ashkelon. Um, Now, as neighborhoods were developed, the city um, expanded and the population grew, and in 1951, the neighborhood of Afridar and this is really cool was established and this was who was it it was the uh it was designed by the um South African Zionist Federation and it was built on the garden model i think it was um and it was its proposal its planning had it Surrounded by orchards, orchards, that's not a thing. (laughs) Surrounded by orchards so that it was really natural. Um, Honestly, it's the predecessor to green. So it's a real green city Um, and it's pretty fascinating. And it, it population, that neighborhood just started building and building and building. Um, And in 1953, when this was established um it was also the year that the city formally adopted the name of ashkelon so ashkelon became ashkelon once again in 1953 um and it also became the seat of the ashkelon subdistrict of israel's southern district so there are two districts um i can't remember what the other one is uh, maybe it's a Beersheva district but i don't think that's it But it's the Ashkelon District, Uh, Ashkelon is the head of it. So over the latter half of the 20th century, the population in the city continued to grow. And in 1955, this number uh, was 16,000. So we're growing from 2,500 to 16,000 in only a couple of years, Um, not even a decade. Um, In 1961, it was 24,000, in 1972, 43,000, and in 1983, 53,000, until in 2005, when the population of Ashkelon reached more than 106,000, so this Ashkelon, well, it's by the, it's it's by the ocean. Who wouldn't want to live there? And it's close to Ashdod, which is a port, and there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of jobs there. Um, but it's really just amazing how Ashkelon just keeps attracting new residents. Um, so since and it's continuing to grow. So since the steady increase in population, Ashkelon has embraced its growth. And in December, 2015, it proceeded with plans for seven new neighborhoods. Whoa. And this project will bring 32,000 new housing units. Um, And it will also, included in the project, is a plan for um, a new stretch of highway. And it will include three highway interchanges. and all of this development is um, estimated to bring Ashkelon to being the sixth largest city in Israel. That's phenomenal. That's just, that's amazing. That's, that is the story of just a, a, a place that wants to continue its growth, a place that wants to continue to be attractive to new residents and continue to grow. It's just, it's pretty awesome. It's neat. Um, And it's a beautiful city. It is amazing. So um, if you wanna go there, this modern, beautiful city, there's a ton of things to see. Um, One of them is Ashkelon National Park and the old Tel 'er Bersheva, or not Tel 'er Bersheva, yeah, whoa, Freudian slip. Um, Tel Ashkelon, The original uh, inhabited area of Ashkelon, where the old city was, um, is a place. It's now a national park. And here you can see Byzantine, Crusader, and Roman ruins. And uh, there's also, I'm pretty sure this is, yes, where the Canaanite um, dig is. And there's also, no lie, no BS... The largest dog cemetery in the world is in Tel Ascalon. I said it. It's real. You can go there. Whoa. Um, yes. So if you are into history, if you are into touching the the ground that others walked thousands of years ago, Ashkelon is definitely a place that you need to visit. Um there also there is and be, because of that, um, Ashkelon, uh, academic colleges there. And it is a, it was established to give bachelor's degrees, uh, from bar university. And it was founded in 1967 as a branch of that university. Um, and it's focused mainly on teaching, uh, accountancy and banking. So it's basically a, a business college. Um, but, um, In 1988, the management was changed, and the college began to expand its activity. Um, Now, it is a regional college, and the reason I'm bringing this up, I'm kind of scanning through this information. I know that Harvard does their um, archaeology, I guess uh, what do you call them? Internships through this college. And that's pretty fascinating. And that they, that you go, if you're in Harvard and you want to be an archeologist, you will go to, um, Ashkelon academic college and work out of there, uh, to work on sites I'm assuming in the area. And that's pretty, it's pretty fantabulous. So, um, also in Ashkelon is, uh, this one's interesting because, and I actually kind of, should do uh, an episode on this. And this is the Trans-Israel Pipeline. So apparently, oil comes in from the Red Sea um, on tankers, and it goes to a lot. And there is a an oil pipeline that transfers through uh, the Negev and goes to its eventual terminus in um, its end in Ashkelon. Um, it is, yeah, it's awesome. That's amazing. And it actually makes, um, Israel financially and strategically super important because it bypasses, basically it bypasses the Suez canal. Um, also in Ashkelon, another strategically important thing is that's shared with other nations is their the home to one of the desalination plants now Israel gets a large number and I have done an episode on this uh, Israel gets a large number of uh, a large percentage of its water from desalination from the uh, from the Mediterranean and they've sold, um, that ingenuity to other nations and it's, they are the forefront. Israel is at the forefront of, uh, desalinization, um, for fulfilling water needs for people throughout the world. And Ashkelon is one of the places where one of those desalination plants is. Um, now going back to more fun stuff, there are a couple of museums. There is the Ash- Ashkelon Khan Inn Museum, um, which is the place where they actually have that silver calf I was talking about in the last episode. Um, there is the outdoor museum, and that's near the municipal center. Um, and they have two Roman burial coffins that are there. Um depicting and I guess these coffins because I haven't seen these coffins but they depict battle and hunting scenes and famous mythological scenes so um that's pretty fascinating I found a bunch of this information I've been to Ashkelon but I found a bunch of this information on uh on Ashkelon's own tourism site and I'll put the link for that um another thing that you can see when you go to the waterfront at Ascalon is the marina, and that is in between um, the Delilah and the Bar Kokhba beaches, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, and this marina is beautiful. Uh, a lot of times you can get an Airbnb uh, right on the waterfront, and it's overlooking this marina and the this just it's it's beautiful the scenery yeah you know, there's a lot of restaurants in the area there's a lot of places to eat and it is definitely worth uh checking out now that brings us of course to the number one attraction in Ashkelon yes history buffs i understand tell ashkelon is amazing but for a lot of people. The beach is the biggest thing, and they are awash in beach in beaches. So, um, Ashkelon National Park, and I'm going to read about these because there is uh, each of these beaches has something different to offer. Um, now, Ashkelon National Park has its own beach. Um, it's called the park Beach and this is the only beach that does not have a breakwater. So what that means is that it is open to waves, open to uh, the movements of the water. So you can really, so you got to be careful, of course, but um, it you can really feel the thrill of being out there in the Mediterranean. Um, and the beach is adorned by huge rocks and it says it is it gives you a sense of total freedom just like going out just being on the water so um another beach in ashkelon is delilah beach and it is the lifeguard station on this tidy designated beach operates all year round um and the long spacious beach features a breakwater as and is considered um, convenient and bather-friendly. So a lot of people go to Delilah Beach, um, and it is inside the... Now, Breakwater, I don't know if you know what it is, but it's basically just a jetty or a dam uh, that sticks out into the water and stops all the waves from hitting a specific spot on the beach. Um, There is also Surfer's Beach. Hagol Shim, and it's located to the north of Delilah Beach, um, next to the marina. And Surfers Beach is the best lit beach in Israel, so the surfers can continue to enjoy surfing after sunset. I have never heard of that. That is awesome. You gotta be there. Um, the waves break on the marina's southern breakwaters and create a long wave where surfers can maximize their surfing abilities. Um, so it says it's not a designated beach, but it's a surfing beach. Boom. There you go. Um, the other one I told you about was Bar Kokba Beach, and that is a designated beach. I guess it's designated by the town, uh, by the city of Ascalon, And it is spectacular and breathtaking. It's amazing. It is w- well worth a visit. What I would suggest is stay in Ashkelon, go there to um, whichever one you want to go to, Bar Kokba Delilah, and then the next day go to the other beach. Um, there is a separate beach for the religious community, and it is considered to be one of the most beautiful beaches in the country. Um, you can enjoy sports, games. Um, it is especially clean and has new changing rooms. Um, and there you go. Um, it's supposed to be pretty great. Um, then you also, I just stumbled right there because I was thinking of coffee. I'm sorry. I'm going to have a sip of coffee. Um, so I'm confused. I haven't been to Bar beach and it is a, I'm wondering if it's, it says there are, it's open to men and women on alternate days. It has new changing rooms, which are open to men and women. I'm I'm, going to have to look more into that. If anyone knows, hit me in the comments or send me an email. Um, That's what that hiccup was about. Um, All right. So our next beach is the Rock Beach, and it is not a designated beach. Um, And bathing is forbidden, so you can't swim there. Um, It is located south of the National Park Beach, and it is a Mecca for people who enjoy walking along the beach. It is wild and pristine and perfect for, uh perfect for a sunset walk. So that sounds awesome. Um, and finally the seaside promenade and it is a beautiful promenade, uh, with trees all maintained. Um, all, all like it is, uh, what is it? It's, it's, cultivated yes it is uh so the promenade is basically a promenade with trees on it um it is situated at the edge of a sandstone um cliff which is called a kerkar which is specific to israel um on the beach which gives you an advantage of enjoying the magnificent view of the sea and the edge of the city so some of these beaches you can go to, some of them you can't go to, or all of them you can go to. Some of them you can swim at, some of them you can't. Um, there's a lot of food in Ashkelon. There's a lot of uh, fun, different um, different cultures coming together, different uh, Jews from different parts of the world making Ascalon their home. And... Uh, that home is open to you and that's pretty much it all right um i hope you enjoyed this episode uh the modern city of ashkelon is a beach city so if you want to go to the beach go to ashkelon all right um hey that's it hey if you like this video hit the like button and the subscribe button and the notification bell and if you want to take us with you as i said before you can find us on soundcloud iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on Spotify. I told you in the beginning that this episode is sponsored by the 12 Cities in Israel Modern Hebrew Flashcards. Um, Again, I I think I also mentioned... I don't know if I did or not. The newest set is out, Numbers, in Hebrew. Um, It's available on Amazon for Kindle. Um, Our other set, the Aleph Bet set, is has print and script so you can learn both uh both alphabets um so you can learn to read it in its formal setting and you can learn to write it with the script um check it out check it out check it out it is amazing they are fun to make a new one i'm working on a new one um which will be the body and clothing um i just i like making these i like bringing these to you uh learning hebrew is the best way to get close to israel um and you can do that with the 12 cities in israel modern hebrew flashcards all right guys um that's it tarat siti kol haye yadi bi yada u li or לי כוחה o di ayri li kol khab itma lay li baforea kol ya ba ya ta oha Moshati la perach ani shal. Razam shalti, sheli binatati. Moshati la perach ani Si fordot d'aider, me cette